0: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Hi, I'm Joe Connolly. I want to introduce you to Jim Somoza, who knows well what is happening to the upside and to the downside at all kinds of interesting small and mid-sized businesses that are located in Industry City in Brooklyn in the group of old buildings that have been refurbished for all these cool new companies. Producer Neil A. Caruso will join us too. Jim, first of all, what overall is the situation for the businesses generally in Industry City right now?
2: Well, overall, uh, obviously it's slower than it was Pre COVID, but they're doing relatively well uh, as compared, you know, all things considered, uh, because people are coming to us to check out what we do. And that's what we've always done there we do interesting uses. We have our blacksmith and our avocateria and Japan Village and Sahadi's and things like that. And, and we do things that people enjoy coming to and checking out. We also have a lot of open space, our courtyards. Uh, we own our streets, so our indoor spaces even behave like outdoor streets. So people have been coming to us because they feel like they, and I think it's true, they can safely come, hang out, have a drink, see some music, shop at Sahadi's, shop it at uh, Japan Village, etc. And that's really helped them uh, considering the environment. Uh, obviously, we'd, we'd like it to be, we, we all, we can't wait for this to go away and, and be back to normal to where we were. But it's uh, what what we've built there has really become an attraction uh, in the in the COVID era because of that.
1: That is so interesting, and we're going to get into this wonderful place you've built in just a couple of minutes. First of all, give me an example of a business tenant who's doing really well right now.
2: Uh, it it's more our uh, our food shopping, so our grocery. Uh, type of tenants. So ends meet, for example, our, uh, our butcher and charcuterie person who prior to COVID did a whole bunch of things in order to keep his business uh, running, you know, all kinds of different things, events and, and parties and dinners, which he's not doing anymore, because he's now able to really focus on being a butcher which is and doing charcuterie which is what he always wanted to do and so now people are coming to him to buy his products and he's morphed himself into what he wanted to be to begin with and that is a butcher not necessarily a sandwich maker we do have plenty of sandwiches there but he's been able to focus on what he always wanted to do uh the other i would say would be sahadis we opened sahadi's, uh, Probably six months before COVID, this was ours. This was their first new location uh, outside of their famous Atlantic Avenue location, and they've turned themselves into uh, a, a small restaurant, you know, and a cafe. They, of course, they have their groceries <laughs> and things like that, but now they're doing music uh, three nights a week. Small, of course, we're keeping it safe. It's outside, but they're turning themselves into uh, true, uh, you know, hospitality. Uh, type of company,
3: Jim. You know, with indoor dining back at twenty-five percent capacity, how does that realistically help those restaurants? Um, does it doesn't improve their financial situation enough. Not really. In all honesty, it's it, it's a tough one uh, for
2: restaurants because at twenty-five percent, you still have to put on the uh, the overhead. You know, the 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 workers that you would need for fifty percent, really. So realistically it's a nice symbolic thing to get going and some of them will do it but and for us it's a little different because we have so many outdoor spaces and we put tents in all three courtyards large ones that we heat and we actually keep three sides of them open uh so or two uh, two, two sides of them open so that they maintain their status as outdoor eating but uh but just 25 percent if it's just purely indoors is a, is a tough one
3: And then I see that you've had half of your 550 tenants return is that correct?
2: yeah we're about uh, we're at about 45 percent uh, occupants you know people that used to work there every day are back uh, at IC which is a really great number as compared to what we're seeing in Manhattan. Uh, And we're back to about 75% of our weekend uh, outdoor traffic uh, as compared to before COVID. And that that has so much to do with the outdoor spaces, a lot to do with uh, we're basically skyscrapers put on their sides. If you really look at our buildings, they're huge, but they're only six stories high. So, you know, anybody that comes in, you're only ever on an elevator for six floors are so and let's face it the bottom three floors all walk obviously the ground floor doesn't use the elevator but second and third floor they all walk so you're not in you're never really in elevators with a whole bunch of people you're never in a lobby uh waiting with a lot of people and there's a lot of outdoor space so we've been able to utilize sort of just the you know it's just luck just the uh the physical configuration of our buildings has really resonated uh, in, in this time of COVID.
3: So you're saying that's why they're so confident in coming back, not just, you know, your tenants, but visitors, or is there, have you made any improvements
2: in the last year? Uh, Well, we did a lot of things uh, for COVID. You know, we did uh, handless uh, openers on a lot of doors. We did handless, um, you know, touchless, I should say, not handless, touchless uh, buttons for elevators where you just have to wave your hand in front of a motion sensor. We did uh, we Im- we dramatically improved the ventilation all over the place, especially in our bathroom, so that the the air is changed out uh, quite a lot. You almost. Uh, we-, we said we want to feel our hair stand up, you know, underneath the uh, under the exhaust when you're in the bathroom to make sure that we're we're changing air a lot. Uh, we did a lot of things like that. Yes.
1: How did this idea come about? Whose idea was it? to turn a place where there's manufacturing and filmmaking and furniture making into a tourist attraction. That's what department stores are trying to do in a way right now, what you're doing right there.
2: So it was a whole group of people, uh, many of whom uh, have lineage back to Chelsea Market. Uh, I was part of the development team at Chelsea Market years ago um, with a guy named Erwin Cohen. uh, And then our group sold to Jamestown. Uh, who is excellent at this and has done this in other areas in Atlanta and uh, Boston and San Francisco and things like that. So we we got together this group and um, a man by the by the name of um, Glenn Siegel with Belvedere Capital uh, actually put a connection together between the prior owners who are still uh, part owners. We bought into uh, a share of the project. But he put the deal together and the prior owners, you know, our current prior uh, 100 percent owners realized that there was the possibility of doing something like this at this project. But that's not what they did. So there just happened to be this sort of uh, putting together of a team of people of various generations that had worked on Chelsea Market plus the prior owners. And we all put our heads together and decided this would be the right thing to do. We also knew that the, the outdoor space there was a big part of it. The large indoor spaces, the proximity to the subway was a big part of it, and the ability to have parking, which we do. So it all just came together.
1: The PPP loans, though, I understand, have been absolutely critical to most of your tenants. Is that right?
2: Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, we we've given quite a lot of rent breaks to our tenants as well and but the ppp has really helped them keep their people working uh help them with their payroll and things like that so yes that's been critical
1: will they go for the new loans do they think they're near the finish line and they need one more yes loan
2: they're they're all going for the new uh ppp we actually run uh with td bank as, as a partner um classes and instruction on how to do this uh, we did it heavily the first time because people didn't this was new to everybody but we just did a uh, a seminar for this a couple of weeks ago so we help our people but yes they are all gonna be going for it
3: that's interesting so are you do you feel like it's your role in helping your tenants succeed in order for the business community to succeed overall is that something that Others can learn from that citywide, countrywide.
2: A hundred percent. That that is a big part of what we do, and it's it's a harder thing to do uh, than just having a building and just leasing space to people. I'm no, I'm not criticizing that in any way. That that is a business model. Our model is much has much more hand holding to it, much more relationship based, and we really view ourselves as as much a partner. Uh, with them as as a landlord. I don't even like the term landlord, frankly, because what we do is we support them. And as soon as we got into COVID, we went to all of them and said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do some rent breaks with you. We're going to change some of you to percentage rent for a period of time and things like that. And, and we supported them. And and I think that's a part of the reason, I mean, w- with one exception, every single one of our retailers has reopened. And the, the one exception had really nothing to do with COVID. It was going to happen uh, anyway. It was just a business that, that uh, a particular a small business that wasn't working. But every other than that, every single one of our retailers has reopened. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with what we do to support them. They didn't feel like they were putting their head you know, their head into a bear trap if they reopen and we weren't gonna hit them with a whole bunch of past due rent that they couldn't pay anyway and you know they weren't they weren't digging themselves a deeper hole. I think they all felt comfortable. And that's because we do that. We do get in the trenches with our tenants and we make sure that they are successful.
1: Pre-pandemic, before the pandemic, in normal business conditions, what are the one or two things that you as a partner landlord helped most businesses with the most? What new idea or new revelation did, did you give them that really helped them?
2: Um, you're talking about pre-pandemic, right? Yeah,
1: Yeah, in general. And when business returns to normal, what is it that most businesses can use some help with? In terms of ideas, marketing, whatever. Uh, yeah,
2: we do we do all of that. I mean, a couple of things that we do in this project, and we did this at, at Chelsea Market, we will do certain uh, retail uh, uses that may not seem to be the most lucrative for us because that's not, you can't look at it that way when you're doing a project. Like I'll use the example of our blacksmith. So our, our blacksmith is a is a tiny shop looking pays real rent, but it's not going to move the needle on the project. But everybody wants to come and see that. Well, while they're coming to see that, they're also buying a drink at the frying pan. They are going to Standard Wormwood and Brooklyn Core and things like that, like our our, our sake brewery. You know, we, we do things like that, that are businesses that actually do make money, actually do pay rent. But they they do more than that. They bring people to the overall project. So that's, you know, I I use this example, like when we look at a new business, we, we use a formula which says one plus one has to equal three, not two. So if we're looking at a business that's just going to, and this is ground floor, I'm talking about retail, that's purely going to just serve the tenants there. I'm not saying we wouldn't do it. We just don't look at it the same way as a business that, will bring people because, oh, I'm going there. I want to see the blacksmith. I Oh, I'm going to Japan village. I got to I have to see this thing. This is unbelievable. Well, they're going to go and buy from you know, the blacksmith because he also sells knives and swords and things like that that he makes. But they're also going to go and do other things. You know, they're going to come to Japan village and buy things, but then they're going to go to Sahatis But they're they're coming to because Sahatis in Japan village and those things are there. But then they are patronizing the other tenants that are there as well.
3: That's great. Jim, uh, one last for me. Uh, What do you think is the key for small business recovery at this point? What would you tell other small businesses outside of Industry City? I
2: would say
3: it's hard to say because
2: I, you know, I I feel so close to so many small businesses in New York City. So I don't want to Criticize, uh, especially in this time. But I think you need to be something more than just selling what it is that you sell. I think you have to create an experience. Um, you know, when you go, we, we like to, the people use the term experiential a lot, which I don't love. That feels like a little too sort of corporate. I, I like to use the term transport. Um, when we are doing our jobs well at IC, we're transporting people. When you come to IC and you go to Japan Village or Bangkok Bar, which is our Thai place, you you feel like you're in Bangkok. You feel like you're in Japan. You feel, you know, you're in you're the blacksmith, you you feel like you're in like a medieval type of, you know, foundry type of thing. We're taking you away. And and I think that's a really important thing, and that that's kind of the anti that's the antidote to the internet, right? So the internet's obviously not going anywhere, Amazon's not going anywhere, but those are just you're buying things without the experience. Yes, you'll get an experience from the product when you get it, but you're the the experience of buying it is nothing more. It's it's commoditized, right? So what what I think businesses really need to do is to create that transportation when you go into a space it should feel like a vacation if you will or you you've gone somewhere you 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 walk out of there saying wow that was even if you don't buy anything you walk out of there thinking wow that was really cool to to even just walk around this space now it's that's easier said than done there are some businesses that just don't lend themselves to that but i see this happening all over the place where there's An atmosphere being created, whether it's music or product mix or things like that. If you walk around Japan Village, there's a lot of stuff in there that nobody's going to buy or very few people are going to buy. But the fact that they have it and Sahadi's would be another example, um, the fact that they have these all these wild middle eastern or japanese products that maybe you've never even seen before maybe you don't even want to eat that maybe it's not something like they've got these crazy freeze-dried crabs uh in japan village that are actually you that are eaten as snacks in japan i know very i would eat them because i'm crazy and i I like that kind of stuff but um But I know very few of my friends would actually ever buy that or eat that. But when I take people in there, they pick up those that bag of those freeze dried crabs every time. And they go, wow, what? This is this is wild. What What is it? I mean, I can't I've never seen this before. That's the kind of thing. You know, it's like I've never seen this before. And that now they will walk out of there buying something much more pedestrian than that. But they've just had an experience. And I think that's really what it's about.
1: Jim it sounds like Epcot and Disney World right there in Industry City minus the rides or maybe you have rides outside too do you
2: we've talked about it <laughs> <laughs> there are very few things uh, that you could say that we haven't talked about we've actually talked about doing uh bumper cars that's that's been a, <laughs> oh, wow. that's been a f- about an experience yeah that's been a fantasy of ours for a while and i actually did the research Uh, to Glenn Siegel, one of one of our partners has wanted to do this since since day one when we first looked at this. And I've actually done the research. I I found a couple of sort of portable bumper car rides that you that are on a trailer that you could pull up and bring right into one of our courtyards. So we have looked at that. Um, Yeah, you know, I think that, um, look, I, 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 you know, no disrespect to Disney or Epcot, but I think what we try to do is, Make you feel like you're actually, you know, like you're you're having a true experience. You know, it's where welcome. Our, it's local.
1: It's local. Yeah,
2: it's exactly like we have something called the Makers Guild, um, which is a group of uh, shops where people are actually making things. And it's the same kind of thing. This is wholesale and retail. These were actual uh, makers, uh, furniture restorers, uh, pottery, jewelry, things like that, who were tenant of ours, who were tenants of ours, and wanted to have a somewhat retail uh outlet but didn't necessarily want to be on the ground floor and be open seven days a week so we did this thing on the second floor where they're there but they're actually making they're they're not making for the spectator they right. are actually making and i think that's the difference right and you can feel that and then people would say like they're behind glass you know somebody once said to me why do you have, they're, they're why do you have them in these spaces and behind glass why can't i go right up to them and i said because they're not really here for you. They're here for their business. They are here for you. That's why we want them there, because we want you to see it. We want you to come and, and be entertained by this and patronize. But these are actual real businesses. There's actual jewelry being made. There's actual furniture being restored with solvents and odors and things like that that you don't necessarily want to be right in front of. That's why we have them in an actual space
1: but you can see what they're doing
2: you can see what they're doing but they're not doing it for show. right they're doing it because that's what they do
3: that's
1: really cool
2: that's the authenticity of it right and we're not trying to manufacture authenticity it's either authentic or it's not and so what you're actually seeing is real businesses actually doing their thing you just happen to be able to see it, and that that's an interesting thing because that took some convincing uh, with them because it's easy. This, you know, you you can somebody who does uh does shows on the weekends or flea, you know, uh, leather makers and things like that, or you know, they they imprint the your name on the leather. They they that's part of what they do. They are in front of the public every weekend. You know, when they go to these things, that's that's part of their show. These folks, that's not what they do. So it took a little bit of convincing for them to kind of be on display. They weren't all super comfortable with it. But once they understood what it really did for their business, they were good with that. But they're not performers. They are actual workers. So we had to, like, convince them to bring, you know, their pottery wheel closer to the, you know, to the area. Not, not so, look, it's not so close because I don't want to make them uncomfortable either. We want them to be natural and sort of. Do, be doing what they're doing but they are actual makers for their business not just for show
3: and that's Jim what people knows. enjoy people people like that social media behind the scenes kind of you good. know lift the curtain and and bring them yep. in it's like what why hershey's is so successful
2: yes that's that's a good example you know we have lilac chocolates which is uh you know similar type of thing and we have the conveyor the chocolate conveyor belt uh, right in the window, and the people work there. They're they're not performers; those are the actual people that make the chocolate all day. And when you walk into their store, that same person may get up from their chair where they're making the chocolates and come over and sell you some chocolates. It's like that, fun. It's actually all right. Di- of- all right,
1: all right. Disney Epcot, Epcot and Hershey Park as well. <laughs> okay. Disney uh, <It> cows. <laughs> Samosa, development director at Industry City. It sure seems like you're having a lot more fun, even in this rough time, than the heads of a lot of big department stores and other uh, businesses. And is it open just on weekends or nope. seven days a week? It's open
2: seven days a week. For visitors, um, Open for visitors and for our tenants open seven days a week.
1: We wish you the best and we hope we're at the finish line. And we'll see you over there at Industry City sometime soon, I hope. Thanks, Jim.
2: We'd love to have you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.